let her come home. We wanted to talk to people that normally traverse through the area. The sun set on a winter night. January 2nd, 1999. A call came out for a, a missing child. We headed that way. This case pretty quickly felt different. 11-year-old Mikkel Biggs had disappeared while riding her bike and waiting for the ice cream truck. Hello, and welcome back to my podcast, Suspect Unknown. My name is Daniel Roquel. I wanted to start off with letting you guys know that you guys popped off on my first episode. It went better than I ever imagined. It reached people that I didn't even know or even follow. So that just means like you guys really did your part in sharing it. And I appreciate it. It definitely gives me encouragement to just go out from here. I won't forget it. Everyone showing me support right now are going to be the OGs later on. And I just really appreciate with you guys taking the time out of your day to do that. All right, ladies and gents, let's get started with today's episode. So this episode makes you think and reflect on how precious life is, on how things can change within a couple minutes, even seconds. I'm a big advocate for showing love to everyone around you because you never know when's the last time you're going to speak to them or even tell them that I love you. So I think if you're not doing that now, let this be a wake-up call. And you won't feel like you regret it if that is the last time you see them. For today's episode, let me take you back to 1999. Today, we are going to talk about a 23-year-old missing person case. This is the case of Mikhail Diane Biggs or the ice cream truck case. Mikhail lived in Mesa, Arizona with her parents and three siblings. She was the oldest at 11 years old and she was described as funny and smart. She was an honor student, and she loved to sketch. Her dream job was to work for Disney as an animator. January 2nd, 1999, Mikkel and her 9-year-old sister, Kimber, were riding bikes in the neighborhood, as well as walking their dog, when they heard an ice cream truck coming in the distance. I know what you're thinking. It's January. It's winter. It's too cold for the ice cream. But keep in mind, this is in Arizona. It's much more warmer out there a lot of people will tell you this is probably the best time to be out there compared to out here in utah so as they heard the ice cream truck they went to their mother and got money but kimber got too cold she decided i want to go back home Mikkel was still wanting to get ice cream so she continued riding doing circles out with the dog by the time kimber got home her mom had asked her to get Mikkel and get ready for dinner. This only took 90 seconds between when she came from the house and went out to call for her sister. By the time she got there, she noticed that the bike was on the side of the road. The back wheel still spinning, but no sign of Mikkel. So she screams for her. She screams the name. And she was a little bit upset at this point because she was riding her bike. So she felt like you used to ride bike on the side of the road and are not there. So after calling a couple times, she noticed that she was not even within eyesight. She told her mother that, and within a couple minutes, she organized a little search party within the neighborhood. They didn't see anything. They were only able to find the quarters that were given to her, 
At that point, the mother, Tracy, got worried and called her husband, Darian, who was at work. Within 30 minutes, a thousand people were there, filled with police and news reporters. This took place on Tulick Street and then Morrow Avenue. They were able to set up search parties organized by the Mesa police, along with volunteers. When they first arrived, they did not see anything, so they got consent from homeowners within the neighborhood to search their homes. They also had search dogs, but they weren't able to get far. They were not able to pick up a scent three feet from the place she was last seen. This led the police to believe that she was taken in the car. At this time, Mikkel was last seen wearing a red shirt with white stripes across the chest and blue jeans with designs on both ends. She had brown hair, hazel eyes, and weighed 65 pounds. During my research, I found a lot of inconsistencies between my source material, but one of them mentioned that there was a dog involved. Like I mentioned earlier, it was their dog along with them during that bike ride. So I think that's a very key detail if that is true because that would tell us a lot. Dogs are super loyal and their first instinct is that they protect their loved ones, especially when they're in danger. So I wonder why it didn't act out or anyone even heard the dog acting out. Maybe it's someone they knew within the neighborhood, I'm not sure. But I do know with my dog, back in my young days, you know, I would always get snitched out by him when I would come home late. The first group of people that were looked into was the ice cream vendors. A lot of people thought maybe they had something to do with it since they were coming around the neighborhood, but the police actually cleared them of any involvement. They never made it to the neighborhood. Since Kimber was the last person to see Mikkel, she was being interviewed by the police and the media. As a nine-year-old, or just as anyone, there's a lot of pressure just because you are the last person who saw Mikkel, so you want to remember things as best as you can. She would often blame herself, feeling like she was at fault, and why wasn't she with Mikkel? I mean, somehow she could have prevented it. That's the idea she had, but her mother would let her know that the only person at fault was the person who kidnapped her. A kidnapping like this was rare, especially taken by a stranger. According to the Mesa police, it's less than 1%. So you can probably guess where they went from here. They looked into the dad, Darian, and he was looked into for two main reasons, it seems like. Not only was he someone close to Mikkel, but he was looked into because of his personality. But he was cleared pretty quickly. The family was upset because in situations like this, it takes them away from looking for Mikkel so in terms of the resources and time. But there was an article that indicated that he was given a polygraph test and he failed because he was hiding a secret. What is that secret? Well, he was having an affair. According to one of my source material, when this came out, he was that angry that in the interrogation room, he actually flipped the table over. And I, there was a quote saying that he was like an angry zombie. From there, the case went cold pretty quick just because it seemed like she vanished in thin air. There was a detective, Stuart Summershore, probably saying that wrong, I apologize, um, stating that in a local article, Phoenix News Time, the desert is like a Pacific Ocean for us. If there was a body dumped in the desert, often it's never recovered. With this, the family was denied closure in this traumatic situation. The police would let the family know that they would go ahead and pronounce her dead in three days from her disappearance. 
And for me, that's way too soon. I don't know, just because I feel like that's just an indication of because there's no evidence there, we're going to go ahead and just give up for now. And I'm not sure if that was normal for this situation, but it seems like Kimber also got the feel for this. In a post in Reddit, she mentioned she was grateful for every person who stepped up in the Mesa Police Department who helped and went above and beyond. But she also mentioned that she felt like the case was too big for the Mesa Police. The story did get national attention, but even with all the attention and support surrounding the family, no new leads came. So the three days came and went. Weeks came, years came, and nothing. Five years later, from her disappearance, the family buried an empty casket. At this point, they believed Mikkel was no longer alive, but they did want to go ahead and still get the answers and at least find who killed Mikkel. But things were just about to change. Two blocks away lived the sex offender, Dee Blaylock, and he was someone who already had some charges with kidnapping, sexual assault, and child molestation. So, at the time of the disappearance of Mikkel, he had an alibi, which was the wife. She told police that he was watching the Cardinals game in his garage. In the initial search for Mikkel on the day she disappeared, his house was actually one that was searched by investigators when they had that search party go house to house. So, he was cleared just because there was no evidence tying him there. A year later from the disappearance, he was now serving a 187-year-old sentence for an assault on a neighbor. Now that Dee was out of the picture, the wife admitted and changed her alibi. She said that she would only act and say certain things when he was around just because he was that manipulative. So if the wife is telling you that basically he's a liar, then that's saying a lot. But the reality was, that Dee did not want her coming in the garage that day when Mikkel went missing. And she actually doesn't even know where he was because he went on a beer run and for an hour and a half he was actually gone. So the wife couldn't account and confirm his whereabouts. So let's think about it a little bit. We can go ahead and confirm that he probably did go on a beer run. So I'm sure he didn't go walking, right? He took his car, I'm assuming, as you remember earlier, the police do believe that a car was involved just because everything took place in 90 seconds so he fled the scene pretty quick not only that but there's already a history with prior convictions with kidnapping and child molestation so overall and how he looks it's not looking good for him especially because when the wife wanted to come in the garage he was acting up so that just shows you he probably fits the best right now let me paint you a picture on how crazy and violent this man was. So, he actually beat and raped a neighbor. But not only that, he broke her neck and set her house on fire. Somehow, the neighbor was able to get up and call for help. Um, at this point, she had mentioned who had done that to her. And sure enough, he denied it. So it just kind of tells you with him denying Mikkel's case, is it someone we trust? Mm, I don't think so. So how does a crazy person explain his actions? Well, he actually says that he has split personalities. Even though he was never diagnosed with this, he says this is why he says and acts a certain way. But I don't believe him because he's so truthful, you know? 
but he makes himself look very good as a suspect. A couple other things, he actually showed up to the visual of Mikkel when they buried the empty casket. And typically you can see that with someone who wants to be around the memorial of their victims. That is something that the family knew. And with this all taking place, they felt like he was a strong candidate. As the police looked into him a little bit deeper, they knew that he had a trailer. At the time of the initial investigation, when she first went missing in terms of Mikkel's case, they weren't able to track that or look into that trailer because they had no warrant. By the time the police got the search warrant, the trailer was sold and he no longer had it in his possession. So they tracked it down and they were able to find it. But when they found the trailer, they were not able to find any evidence. In March 2018, the Mesa police got a call from the department in Wisconsin. They had found a dollar bill that was used to buy Girl Scout cookies. And it stood out to them because the dollar bill had a note. And it read, My name is Mikkel Biggs, kidnapped from Mesa, Arizona. I am alive. And this was a lead that they were excited about. They had a glimmer of hope. It's because it's been cold for so many years. But as they looked into it a little bit further, it was a hoax. In an interview with CBS, Kimber said that the handwriting did not match the sisters, and it was kind of forced to make it look like it was a kid writing it. Apart from that, the spelling of Mikkel was incorrect. The way it was spelled on the note was M-I-K-E-L. Apart from that, the bill was printed in 2009. It would be impossible to track down everyone who handled that bill. So yet again, another dead end. And unfortunately, this would be the last big lead that they have. With Dee being a strong suspect in the Biggs family's eyes, they reached out to him in jail. They actually wrote letters back to each other. In one of those letters, Dee had mentioned that he had some answers to Mikkel's case. Of course, the family would pay him a visit to see what those were. When they showed up, he said he knew nothing. And what I wish is that Dee had a personality that was honest because this will at least give the family answers whether he is just messing with them or is actually a suspect. From the research I did, it seems like it was kind of unspoken that everyone knew D was the suspect, but because they were never able to find any evidence, they aren't able to officially name him as one. But the Mesa Police Department want to keep their eyes open. They don't want to be tunnel vision. So even though they think D is very capable of doing this crime, they are open to the possibility of the unknown suspect still being out there. They did say and want to make it very clear that this case is open. With nobody being found, a possibility could be sex trafficking. This has always been an issue as we all know and the family has acknowledged that she has passed and they actually hope that she has passed because living the life up until now going through possibly the worst is a nightmare and they'd rather know that she had passed away before that side of things could be a reality. With that possibility that just makes it much harder to find a body because it seems like the only way we they will get an answer or any leads is by finding the body because they've already exhausted everything they've had in terms of the scene and leads and haven't been able to get anywhere 
so they are hopeful that they'll get that answer. Cambridge's sister has been pretty open about giving interviews. Now with the parents, they are officially divorced and the mother actually moved to Utah in Saratoga Springs, but they are no longer in the media like they once were. But Kimber hasn't given up hope, so she has been fighting for her sister and trying to at least get some answers. And she believes that someone out there knows something and it's just a matter of time for it to be uncovered. Along with this, it shaped her for who she was after that event. Not only did it ruin her childhood, also just the safety of that neighborhood. Nothing would have been the same. She has a son now and she mentioned in that interview that when her son turned nine, it triggered something inside of her that she didn't know she was going to be triggered by. Just because it put it into perspective how young and innocent her son is. She reflects on her life as a nine-year-old and that's when everything comes back to her in terms of being afraid from there on out, not knowing what happened to her sister. But she wanted to go ahead and keep a good image of her to her son. She shares stories about her and how she was she mentioned that she was just perfect. She shares the favorite memory she had with her sister, the Christmas before she was kidnapped. They both woke up before their parents to get a sneak peek at what Santa had brought them that year. Kimber had started a Facebook page to spread awareness of the case. At first it was used to just show pictures and stories of Mikhail, but it grew pretty fast, up to 18,000 followers. At that point, it was used to try to get information towards the case. As of right now, once I try to click on the link and other stuff from previous sites, it didn't let me open it, so I, I'm pretty sure it's taken down at this point. We all know how cruel the internet can be, and unfortunately, it was still a problem for the Biggs family. Darian, the father, was also just getting a lot of negativity towards being accused that he was part of the kidnapping just because a lot of people say nasty things behind screens, right? And as the family was never able to get closure, I'm sure they're still grieving every day, even though we visually don't see that. I can only imagine how overwhelming that could be. I know they would always try to like protect the dad and always reply to those hateful comments, but at the end of the day, it's not something that needs to be they don't need to deal with that in their current situation. So I can see that's the main reason why the Facebook page was taken down, just because at a certain point, it wasn't fulfilling the purpose it needed to. And that's unfortunate because that's a big platform that people can get updated with the case. I know this is a long shot, but there are plenty of pictures for missing people who get kidnapped or abducted at a young age. They make photos that show how they would look like today after a couple years so i personally don't think it would hurt with going in the internet you can go to the mesa police department's website or just googling any picture and just get familiar with their face because i think it's a simple ask for something that can be very rewarding it's something that you never know we can come across her in public without even knowing it's because people remember the picture when she was a younger girl so a lot of people are not updated with the case, so I would think it would be plenty of help. Like I mentioned before, with no evidence in the case leading to any new leads, the only way that this is going to progress to finding who is at fault here is if someone who knows or has any information 
to step up and contact the Mesa Police Department. That's the only way that the Biggs family will get closure. If you are that person, please feel free to call the Mesa Police Department at 480-644-2211. so much for listening to today's episode i appreciate every single one of you and don't forget to spread love and positivity the world is already pretty crazy so we don't need more hate feel free to leave a review for those listening on apple podcast and don't forget follow my instagram at underscore suspect unknown underscore and i'll see you on the next one peace